Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Uh, we continue here, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance on this jam-packed day, coming off the unbelievable finish in Dallas yesterday and all the rest of the NFL action and delighted that you're choosing to hang out with us here. Whenever anything happens in Dallas, I always like to bring Ed Werder into the conversation to try and make some sense of it. And so we are delighted to do that. Ed, thank you for jumping in here. And I will start at the end and then work my way through a couple of other things I'm interested in. But you made the the um, observation on Get Up With Us this morning um, that while Jerry Jones did not want to comment on the future of his head coach, it might have been notable that he didn't come out and say, oh, Mike McCarthy is my coach and there's nothing else to discuss. So how did you interpret Jerry Jones after the game yesterday? And what, if anything, are reasonable expectations for what happens now? Well, um, first of all, you know, Greeny, Jerry Jones left the losing locker room, a place, you know, he never expected to be on this particular Sunday following the stunning failure of Mike McCarthy's first playoff team. Highest scoring team in the NFL didn't play that way. Uh, well, most penalized team in the NFL certainly played the form in that regard with 14 accepted penalties. And, you know, Jerry was really forlorn about the whole thing. And when, when he approached us and I asked him about the possibility of there being a coaching change, he said, quote, I don't even want to discuss anything like that at this particular time. I fully expected him to completely rule out the possibility under the circumstances. Look, Jerry Jones has been the owner for over 30 years. Jerry's either hired, fired, or paid off every head coach the Cowboys have ever had, starting with Tom Landry. So he knows the gravity of, of that situation and the significance of how he answers that particular question in a moment like that. And for him to be as noncommittal as he was and to continually, Greeny, make the point about, in his view, what a great collection of talent this was – you know, players primarily, you know, that this is, he said, this is the best team I've had this happen to. In other words, this is the most talented team I've had lose in the first round in circumstances that I didn't expect that to be the outcome. So I think that his timeline on a decision is going to be driven, you know, partly by now these teams that have interest in Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, and Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator, as potential head coaches, is going to force Jerry to make a decision. And, and what that ultimately is, I'm not 100% sure all of a sudden. I still think that, you know, Mike McCarthy won 12 games in his second year. He's got three years left on his contract, won the division. It was a little bit of an illusion. Uh, but I think he brings Mike McCarthy back. That's my expectation at oh, the moment. I, I, that's that's the, the best insight I could have asked for here. Greeny and Ed Werder with us, and we'll see as this thing plays out. Uh, the expectation is that Dan Quinn will get a head coaching job, right? And, and then And that would turn our attention then to Kellen Moore because as you pointed out Jerry has uh, rued the day to some degree that he let Sean Payton walk out of his building once upon a time right and uh, you know not only that uh, you can make that comparison maybe with you know Kellen Moore being a young uh, successful offensive play caller again it's a little bit of an illusion but uh, they, they did score a franchise record 530 points they were the number one ranked offense in the NFL based on yardage and based on scoring points. Um, and you, uh, but I would argue I'm not sure that they've consistently maximized the talent uh, that they have on their roster. But he's, he's going to get interviews. We already know he's on a half dozen or so lists. I fully expect a team like the Broncos to come in as soon as possible and interview uh, both of them. 
Uh, I think Dan Quinn is probably a more desirable candidate because he's proven he can be a successful head coach. And then, you know, Greeny, you look at what he did this offseason. I mean, he inherited uh, a defense that gave up the most points in franchise history last year and turned him into a defense that was usually responsible for winning games the second half of the season, led the NFL in takeaways, led the NFL in interceptions. And he's a big personality. You know, he's going to represent a team well as a face of a franchise at the daily press conferences and so forth. You know, you heard Micah Parsons talk about how he builds a connection with every single guy on the defensive side of the ball in the locker room. Yeah, he lost a Super Bowl. He also got, got his team to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with those two. I'm not sure Kellen Moore is going to get an offer in this particular hiring cycle. And, and we know that not only is Sean Payton thing that you mentioned – but look what he did with Jason Garrett. You know, mm-hmm. Jerry brought him back into the organization as the offensive play caller with the idea that he'd eventually be the head coach. And when he got an opportunity, he appointed him to that to the detriment of Wade Phillips in the middle of the season, only in-season coach that Jerry Jones has ever fired. And then Jason Garrett was the head coach here for 10 years. So could that happen with Kellen Moore? Yeah, but I'm not sure Jerry's going to get pushed to the wall on Kellen Moore like he's going to get pushed to the wall on Dan Quinn. Greeny and Edward are presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more at Progressive.com. One final thought for you, Ed, and and it's this. That was really two games yesterday. You had the game before Garoppolo throws the terrible interception, and then the game after. The game after was Mm -hmm. incredibly compelling, incredibly dramatic, comes down to a candidly any number of extremely memorable plays and then finishes on one of the most memorable plays of all time. The majority of that game, San Francisco dominated them. The Cowboys came out. Their offense looked awful. Dak did yep. not look good. Um, how do you explain that? Like, like, like if, if you sit back and analyze that game up until then, they didn't run the ball at all. Like, how do you analyze the meat of that game before it became as crazy as it did? I think, you know, the, the, the abysmal performance started with the offensive line, and that's been really an issue you know, throughout the course of the season. And people were lauding Kellen Moore for his creativity and using, you know, six and seven offensive linemen in certain situations. To me, like, that's an admission of, of weakness and failure. Like, you're telling the opponent you're going to run the football um, because you have no other real options. Like, you have too many fat guys in the lineup to throw the football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they, they never resolved the problems that they had on their offensive line. They were a big part you know, with the 14 penalties. I think Ezekiel Elliott had averaged one yard per carry before contact yesterday, the worst in any playoff game in his career, which there have been four now. And, and Dak Prescott, even though Nick Bosa only played less than half the game, Dak Prescott got pressured 20 times in that game yesterday, second most uh, in his career. And so I think their problems start on the offensive line. But I would say Kyle Shanahan, I talked to him on Saturday, the day before the game, and it basically played out exactly as he told me he game-planned it, which was, we are going to run the football on these guys. We are going to make their pass rushers play the run. We are going to make their corners, Trayvon Diggs, NFL interception leader, he's going to be forced to tackle in this game. And, and he doesn't, that's not what he's out there for. He's, that's, that's not a big part of his game. And then Shan, I asked Shanahan, this is the most interesting thing, Greeny, I said, it seems to me the best matchup for the Cowboys is – their passing game against your your secondary. I mean, you've given up twenty five touchdown passes. You're the most had the most uh, defensive pass interference penalties in the league by seven. It seems like that's a vulnerability. He said, "You know what? I like our matchup with Dak in the passing game 
as long as we're not having to play the run at the same time. He said, if we can discourage them from running the ball, I feel fully confident we can handle their passing game. And, and Green, that's basically what happened. That's the story of the game. Edward, you always have the story for us. I appreciate it. And uh, it's going to uh, this bears watching for the next couple of days at minimum. So we will be leaning on you for that as always. Thank you, Ed. Thanks, Rini. Appreciate it. That's Ed Werder, who, as we always jokingly say, has more, and he genuinely always does. I mean, there's, did you agree with my assessment, Hembo, that that was basically two football games? There was the game before Garoppolo. Th- that's why that pick is so inexcusable. Like, your team is dominating them. The only way Dallas makes that a game is if Garoppolo throws a terrible interception deep in his own territory and just gifts them the, the, the points to get right back into it. And that's exactly what he does. And that, that, that play, to me, changes everything. And so now what we're talking about are all the decisions and all the penalties and the last drive and the last play and all of that stuff. But the reality is, at what, what point in the game, how much time was left when he threw that pick? Stand by. Because however many minutes were played before that interception by Garoppolo, the Cowboys were thoroughly dominated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more alarming than the rest of it. So do I. If... How many times have we seen you know, a team that with a great coach and a, and a great quarterback not play well, but when you crack open the door, they come you know, through like gangbusters, and the Cowboys had that chance. They couldn't do it. And I think that's, to me, very much the story of the game here is that you had every opportunity because they gifted you those opportunities and you couldn't handle it. I, I was actually expecting the Cowboys to make that comeback because I do believe in Dak Prescott and continually, between the penalties and his poor play, they just couldn't make it happen. How many minutes left in the fourth quarter were there when he threw that pick? Yeah, it was the fourth quarter for sure, mm-hmm. right? Because the Cowboys were down 16 points in the fourth quarter. And, and so that, that's the play that turns the whole game around. How much time was left in the fourth? I'll, I'll give you a minute to find it. That was... When Garoppolo throws the pick. Yes, how much time is left? Uh, seven, seven and a half minutes. Seven and a half minutes? Mm-hmm. Your team is... I mean, it still makes me mad. Not even, I'm kind of rooting for Dallas, just professionally. Mm-hmm. Everyone jokingly likes to point out how much I like talking about that my daughter, by the way, pulled off an amazing one-two punch yesterday. Do you know what my daughter did? What'd she do? She managed to simultaneously make fun of me on Twitter and choose to pay her own college tuition at the same time. It was a causal relationship. <laughs> when I read that tweet, I sent her a little text. said, oh, I didn't know you had decided you wanted to pay for your own college tuition. Remind me of the tweet. My daughter tweeted. Uh, what is her Twitter handle? We'll give her a little love on here. I, 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 Nikki Greeny, I think it is. Her name is Nikki, N-I-K-K-I. She tweeted, the Cowboys season is over. What is my dad going to talk about now? <laughs> yeah, at Nikki Greeny. Yeah, at Nikki Greeny. She, she tweeted that yesterday. She likes, to, she likes to joke around about it. But what happened was one time she tweeted something joking around about me. And I liked it, so I retweeted it. I just thought it was cute. And all of a sudden, it went to her head because people start following her. Like, yeah. So now she's all uh-huh. excited about it. And so she likes it. So now she likes to find little moments to make little fun of me. But the truth is, we lost the Cowboys this week. If Aaron Rodgers loses next weekend, get up, Michael, on hiatus. <laughs> like, Sabbatical. Let's go. I don't know what we will do. But I'm not sure how we'll handle the rest of the playoffs. We have Nuno's notes and your calls. Plenty of time for your hot takes today as we continue in just a moment on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. The assembled members of the Hashtag crew are here and they are together, and I, I express some concern for our beloved Bubba, I mean, Bubba, how would you describe the emotions in the final seconds of that game again? If you listen to the show, you know that Bubba is not only a, a legend in the field of radio production, but is the biggest Cowboy fan I know, and that's saying a lot because everybody roots for that team. But anyway, in those closing seconds, as Dak was scrambling with that football, and then you're watching the seconds tick away, and you hear Romo go, Oh, my gosh! Oh, my gosh! Well, f- first you hear Romo say... Nope, they got time. Yeah. It'll be good. So I'm like, okay. And then you just see them f- running into each other, the ump sprinting. It. So, I mean, at first, first you see Dak run. You're like, what is going on here? And then you're like, wait, well, clearly this is some sort of design run. They must be planning this. Okay. But then he keeps running. You're like, oh, man, are they going to have enough time? Then you're just looking at the clock, looking the, looking up, looking at the clock. Looking, and then you see the ump come running in. But then all the linemen are just like huddle up against each other. And there's um, barrels through, and it's it's just a mess. And then I'm like looking at the clock, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, oh god, they're not going to do it. And then it's just just complete despair again, because it's just after everything that happened through this whole game, everything we've talked about, McCarthy and penalties and Kellen Moore play calling and all this stuff, Dak had two chances to win the game at home, and he couldn't get it done. And that's the most frustrating thing, because I still am a Dak supporter. I still have faith in him, but he was—he had two chances to do it, and he couldn't do it. So that, it was just—I just basically was sitting. I was at my parents' house watching my dad, and just sitting there, basically. Oh, you're in with despair. it. And he's the cow. He, he's the one from whom you inherited that. Yeah, so we were just—that's got to have been painful. Yeah, we're just sitting there in despair, and you know, just like all right, you know, just knowing it's just over again, and you know, let the off season of speculation begin, but. Yeah, I mean, I th- to me, the f- most frustrating thing was just that we had two chances. After all that, Dak had two, two chances to win the game, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, they got the ball. The, 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 there was the one where they punted with the three timeouts in the fourth and 11, and then they get the stop. They, they don't even get the stop. Debo Samuel gets the first down, then they go back and they look at it again, and the second they showed you that view, I said, I think he's short, mm-hmm. and he is short yeah. by an inch. I, I am Great surprised. play call before, just in general, though, by Shanahan. He's so creative. That Shanahan's run game is so creative. I am a little surprised they didn't go for it there. That, that you 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 get you get an inch. I mean, they yeah, need an that's what inch Romo was saying. Yeah. And you end the game. I am San Francisco. They kind of kind of tried to draw them offside, but not really. I assume they were going to go for it and just get it. Because I mean, why would they just not have continued to get it an inch? Right. Yeah, You've been dominating I just the whole game. They're going to go for it. Game over. And you also by taking the five yard penalty, you remove the possibility that the Cowboys jump. 
You know what I mean? Which is to say maybe the Cowboys, a defensive penalty in that spot ends the game also. And the Cowboys, Lord, they'll commit a penalty <laughs> no, on any Yeah, that play. was on the table. <laughs> so I, I, I was a little bit surprised by some of the things that happened there. Again, I've, I've said I would have punted fourth and 11, but that's neither here nor there now. Do you think that the like, or do you even think that play call at the end though was the right one? Because for me, the the best decision would have been to take two shots in the end zone. Me too. The game can't end unless the ball goes there, obviously. Right. And when I looked it up this morning, I, I, I looked at all hail marys over the last twenty years since we tracked it, and there was no real difference in terms of the percentage that converts from the twenty five where they were and the forty. Like it's a low percentage play either way, so you might as well take two shots at it. It made to me gaining fifteen yards there was. It's almost negligible. I thoroughly agree. I thoroughly agree. Dan and Rex basically both said that if there were 16 seconds left, they like the decision they made. Both of them think that that the ball on the 25 gives them that much more of a chance. What, I'm on your side. I would have thrown the ball in from the 40 twice. Here's what the data says. So Hail Mary's between the 40 and the 50 hit 11% of the time. Hail Mary's under 40 yards hit 11% of the time. We're, we're, we're talking about a negligible difference. Right. 15 yards in that moment is definitely not worth the risk of not getting one off. I agree, and, and, and it is a Hail Mary. Like, you can say, yeah, you can throw a real pass there, but the Niners are going to have eight people in the <laughs> yeah, end zone. It's a Hail Mary. So it is, for all intents and purposes, a Hail Mary. No, I agree with that. There are so many things the Cowboys did wrong, in my opinion, and they're all sort of swallowed up by how terrible the execution was on the last play. All right, Nuno. What's going on, Nuno? Not much, Greeny. Nuno is a unique personality. There's just that je ne sais quoi. He puts notes on all of the games into the Google Doc for me. I'm definitely a savant. And I like it. I just enjoy it. Nuno's notes. Uh, Uh, Nuno's. Let's do it. (laughs) Do it every time. (laughs) Why do we have something else after that? Like, I've never even heard what is said. What is said by that voice after the words Nuno's notes? Uh, Let's do it. Oh, that's unnecessary. Like, after the voice goes, Nuno's notes, I should come in. Uh, that, I, I, it's I, Nuno I, saying, sure, let's do it. I, I, I think, generally speaking now, we just like the fact that I talk <laughs> over it every time. But anyway, Nuno's got notes on all the games and the order in which they were played. On the Bengals-Raiders, he writes, I always believed Joe Burrow was the perfect quarterback for the Bengals, specifically, but he just might be the perfect quarterback for any situation. He is tremendous. And if there's one thing I got right last week, Nuno, I said... This kid went into Bryant-Denny Stadium and beat Alabama. This kid beat Dabo and Trevor Lawrence and Clemson handily in the national championship game with 20 million people watching. The moment is not going to be too big for him, and he looked in complete control from the second that game started. Yeah, I, you know, I've always favored uh, Justin Herbert a little, but there's that he has uh, this quality, Burrow, that would work in any situation, right? And I don't think a lot of these guys – uh, would do that, right? We'll talk about the old four class with Big Ben possibly retiring. Like, I don't think, you know, like Philip Rivers wouldn't have worked in New York. Ben, I don't know how that would have gone down in New York. Where like, so Burrow has that quality that just makes him a superstar. Yeah, if he were with us at the beginning of this show, Rex Ryan said he thinks he's the next Brady. That that you're always trying to find the next Brady. That Burrow is the guy who's that that kind of got that kind of moxie. Uh, the next note on Bills Patriots. Nuno wrote. Man, I'm going to be so disappointed when Brian Dayball doesn't turn Daniel Jones into Josh Allen 2.0. Do you believe Dayball is the next head coach of your New York football giants? Um, 
I'm concerned that if it's not him, it's going to be Doug Peterson because that seems like he's the uh, you know betting favorite with Dayball. Um, but if I'm Brian Dayball, I figure out which one of those young quarterbacks I think you can do great things with, whether it's Justin Fields, somehow Trevor Lawrence, that type of thing, and that's where you go, where you feel like they have a quarterback in place. All that's missing is you. Nuno's notes on Bucks Eagles. He writes, "If you're an Eagles fan." No way you believe Hurts can lead you to a Super Bowl. Well, Hembo, you're an Eagles fan. Do you? Uh, I do not think it is likely that Jalen Hurts will ever lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl. I, I have been a huge supporter of his all the way through, as you know. What I saw yesterday, though, was very discouraging. That some of the teams that the Eagles beat this season were not very good. They didn't beat a single team this year that made the playoffs. Uh, I'm in on Jalen Hurts, but I am absolutely open to having an offseason conversation about, if not replacing him, at least bringing in competition. Um, with, with, with three first-round draft picks, you can improve your team a lot and draft a quarterback there. That's probably what I would do. All right, that's fair enough. And then on the 49ers and Cowboys... He wrote, so when is Dan Quinn announced as their new head coach? Because McCarthy isn't the answer, and neither is Kellen Moore. So there you go. And then he writes, serious question. Who enjoyed the ending of this game more, non-Cowboy fans or Tony Romo? And I agree with that take. Look, Tony is terrific. I, I enjoy him like crazy. I know it's now it's become kind of fashionable. When everyone loves you that much, it goes it, the pendulum swings the other way. Now it's kind of fashionable, I think, for people to kind of dump on him. Mm-hmm. I think he's terrific. I think he is, his enthusiasm in these games is terrific. His, he's as good as anybody of telling you the things that are happening on the field, and I think better than almost anyone else. Like all the top analysts are great. These, these, are, these jobs are one in a million, so of course they're all great at it. But I think, I think Romo is – I love him. I think he's terrific. I'll tell you what's so great about Romo. He, he does the thing that, that no uh, color analysts in baseball do – he makes it obvious that he just loves the game. Yeah. He just loves freaking watching the game. He just happens to have a microphone and endless knowledge, but he just loves it. Like he's, you can feel the enthusiasm and the love for the sport, and that's what I, that's why I'm attracted to him. No, no, love or hate Romo. I actually have not been a big fan, and I think he's regressed a little this year. I think Hater. I think he's been off a little on certain things that, like, it's just not there at, at this. Bubba, point. he's your favorite player ever. Yes, classic Giants fan take. <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, because I was, I was young for Aikman. I mean, I saw him, but Romo was right at the heart of everything. Just a just a, just a gem. Oh, real quick, so, can we yeah. cl- can we clear something up? Uh, yeah, the, here we go. The 49ers did go for it on that Debo Samuels. Remember, they got it, and Trent Williams wasn't set, and they had the penalty. Oh, that's right. So yeah, they had that, a backup. That, it, yeah. that did have, Yeah, so the, they did actually go for it. They got it, and it was one of the people they weren't set. So. That was that spot? Yes, it was that spot. So Debo, so mm-hmm. it was Debo, there was like third. Yes, I remember. That's Trent Williams wasn't set. And that would have ended the game. That was after the Debo play. Okay, Correct. you're right. Then I stand there, corrected. Because it was motion, right? You are right. Yeah. You are right. Yeah, he didn't get set for long enough. Okay, yeah. I stand corrected. I'm glad that you pointed that out. All right, I'm throwing open the phones. We have done all the talking we're going to do. The hot takes are coming up, and the rest of the show belongs to you at 888-SAY-ESPN. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, coming to you live above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. A reminder, we got... Afternoon NBA action today. Grizzlies Bulls presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 3 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. In the meantime, we have been busy all day long going over the unbelievable events in Arlington, Texas yesterday, and then all the rest of the football from the weekend. And so now it is time for you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 is my phone number, and I'm throwing open the phones right now. Bubba, who is first up with us today? We're going to start with Steve. All right, Steve, uh, the floor is yours. Give me a hot take. I'm a Northwestern grad and a disgusted Cowboys fan. Hmm. It's time that Jerry Jones stopped putting so much time into promoting himself and the team, and he's turned himself into a reality TV show with him as the main guy. It's time he stopped doing that and put the bricks in place to build an actual good football operation. Do you not – let me ask you a question, Steve, all kidding aside, because I feel like so much of the conversation here has been about how, how much talent the Cowboys have and that they underachieved. Well, Jerry's job is to assemble the talent. Do you not – do you believe – I know that there's been criticism of him over the years, and I get it. But frankly, do you feel he is to blame for this team coming up short this year? I do, and I'll tell you why. You know what it's like to be famous, and you probably know the difference between being famous – as a 22-year-old and being famous as a 42-year-old. It's a difference in mentality. And in come the people into this, uh, this team, and they're treated like rock stars. And I do believe it's hard to say that any professional football player plays soft because they're all he-men. But I do believe he creates an atmosphere of such star power that uh, the team plays, quote-unquote, soft. And they think they've arrived by just being here. That's a really good answer. I, I, whether I agree with it or not is completely notwithstanding. Steve, that's a really good call. Thank you very much for making it. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Next up, we have Scott. All right, Scott, give me a hot take. Hey, Greeny, love the show. Thank um, you. Over is the fact that Shanahan, once again, has had four-game management in the biggest games. Um, him having Trent Williams go in motion was absolutely unnecessary. Uh, Garoppolo's 25 for 25 on quarterback sneaks. Just snap the ball, get the two inches, and call it a day. You know, I mean, yes. If they lose that game, if, if, if Dak gets that ball spiked and they wind up throwing the ball in the end zone, Shanahan is going to have a lot of question to answer. Now, look, I am a believer in Shanahan. I think his offense is spectacular. I think that they need a great – if they had – I don't believe that he is even a decent quarterback. I, I, Garoppolo, here's, how, here's what I think of him. Every time he make, he has made several really good throws the last couple of weeks. Every time he does, I'm surprised. My reaction is always, <laughs> wow, he can do that? Like, I, I think if they had a better quarterback, they'd be really tough to beat because that running attack is so creative. Like, the way they use Debo this year is genius. 
So I don't know. I, I would have a hard time giving Shanahan a hard time, but I get that a lot of people do. If, if the Cowboys had lost, that, excuse me, had won that game yesterday, I think it would have been more than fair. Kyle Shanahan was calling plays for the Falcons when they blew a 25-point lead because he played not to lose. They played not to lose in the fourth quarter of that game on both sides of the ball. It would have been fair. I think I would have played not to lose with Jimmy G as my quarterback, too. Like, I'm afraid <laughs> to do it. He, they got the first down with Debo. They got two first downs. One of them got called back by an inch. The other one, as you say, Trent Williams didn't set in time. If he sets for one more second, they get the first down there and Dak never gets the ball I think Jimmy G's a little better than what you're saying. I mean, he makes too many mistakes for a veteran quarterback, but the offense does operate very proficiently when he quarterbacks it. It really does. They led the NFL this year in yards per play. Do you think that he is a top 10 NFL quarterback? I don't. Is he a top 16 NFL quarterback? He's, He's a league average starter, maybe slightly better, and with a great coach that plays up. Okay, uh, we're going to have to do the list another day because okay. I, I, I want to see the list. Uh, Greeny on ESPN Radio in the meantime. Bubba, who's next? Next we have Jim. Jim, give me a hot take. Yeah, the offensive line for the Cowboys is the problem. Connor Williams was drafted as a light guard out of Texas. He's put on size. He's too slow a foot. That's what causes all of his false starts because he's trying to jump the block before he can – get to where he needs to be. He gets beat off the line. He holds the the tackles or the off defensive players. And we should have, we've got Collins over on the right side. We should have moved him in at left guard, left steel at right tackle. We were perfectly fine with that. We're too light up front. All pressure comes up the middle and Dak can't throw the ball with pressure in his face. That's all on McCarthy to put people in the right positions and the right places. He's not calling offensive plays. He's not calling defensive plays. He should be like Jimmy Johnson and yank a guy off the field once in a while to set a tone to his players to let him know you're being held accountable. There's no accountability. It's a good call. I I like that call. Thank you very much for making it, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy had these great coordinators. Dave Wonstadt was his defensive coordinator, became a head coach. North Turner was his offensive coordinator, became a head coach. And Jimmy Johnson was the CEO of the operation. And that's what McCarthy is. And no one's ever going to confuse Mike with with Jimmy. And that's neither here nor there. Jimmy was an unbelievably good coach. Um, The offensive line was the strength of that team for so long. Right? Like it was their success in the early DAC years was built on the offensive line and Zeke running it. And they can't do either of those things anymore. They can't pass block anymore. We have now data that says over the last two seasons, this team ranks 24th in the NFL in pass protection. The idea that they have these maulers up front that can protect Dak Prescott well is just not true. I haven't we, but we've, ex- we've made excuses for that saying, well, they're hurt. They're hurt. If they're ever healthy, they're good. Is they're, that, not, is that not, not fair? Are they hurt all the time? 33 games. That's a enough, lot of games. That's, that's, that's enough of a sample size to, to say at least this is something of a problem. Bubba, is the offensive line the problem for the Cowboys? Um, it's sort. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, it's a problem. I mean, the problem was more so Connor Williams than anything. I mean, Tyron Smith was, is, was great. But if Connor Williams didn't have whatever it was, five of the penalties, I think they would have been fine. I, I, don't, I would say no. No. The worst hold of the day. Was Randy, Randy Gregory, Gregory on sure. defense? That a was defensive hold away from the ball. Yeah, that was the worst hold. He sure. made a tackle. 
Yeah. He just tackled the man who didn't have the football for no reason. Yeah. I love the CBS, like, they, they, they show the, the, the penalty being called. They go to McCarthy, and he's looking straight up every time flummoxed, <laughs> and every time they show that it was the right call. And, 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 and there's no arguing it. Like, no. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to know anything about football to watch it and say, wait, why did he do that? Like, there's no reason to have done that. It was a stunning play. Romo was like, What's he doing? <laughs> Greeny on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Let's go to Josh. All right, Josh, you're on with us here. Give us a hot take, Josh. Hey, how are you doing, guys? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm a Cowboy game yesterday. Um, nobody should be disappointed or sad. That's what you should expect from them. Uh, that was their best game. That's the best that they can do. Uh, you look at their schedule. Uh, they didn't play anybody of quality, have any quality wins. They blew out their division every game. Uh, the only wins against playoff teams that they had this year was against the Patriots and the Eagles. And we saw how those two teams did in the playoffs. My other hot take is I called back during week 13 uh, saying that Tennessee was going to end up with the number one seed. They did. I'm calling back now to say that they're going to go to the Super Bowl and they're going to win it. And they're probably going to play the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. I like the call. I'm your, yes, you did say that. I actually picked Tennessee before the season to be the number one seed in the AFC. Now I will confess, when Derrick Henry went down, I changed my mind. So they've done an extraordinary job. How does this shake down now? They've got Tennessee gets Cincinnati, right? Right. Buffalo goes to Kansas City, City and Tennessee gets Cincinnati. Well, those are two great games Mm -hmm. in the AFC. Uh, Well, we'll turn the page tomorrow and get into them. Like Because this game was so crazy yesterday... Like, we went nuts. The get-up team immediately. We go nuts on text. What are we doing? Who are we getting? <laughs> that I didn't, I didn't even – I have given no thought to next week's games. None. Like, I had to look this morning. Wait, who's going where and when? I can tell you that, actually. The games now fall in this order. So, Saturday night is, um, is the NFC game. Saturday night is the Green Bay game. So, San Francisco at Green Bay is Saturday night at Lambeau Field. Cincinnati – at Tennessee is the early game Saturday. That's right. Sunday, Kansas City and Buffalo is the late game, right? It's like 6.30 p.m. Guess that line, by the way. Guess the line of that game. Well, let's do the line. You know what? Thank you for the calls. Awesome. I want to get to tonight's game as well here. I'll do the point spreads, all that stuff. But first, I want to mention Man in the Arena. Gotham Chopra is the host exploring what Tom Brady has meant to football in Man in the Arena, which is a new podcast from ESPN Plus and Religion of Sports. It's a companion piece to the ESPN Plus docuseries, a 10-part podcast examining the improbable ripple effects of Brady's career. Podcast is brought to you by State Farm, ZipRecruiter, and Rocket Mortgage. Listen and follow Man in the Arena now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and stream the docuseries on ESPN Plus. Let's do it. I have not seen the lines. So, so okay. let's do it. The order in which they will be played. So give me again. It's Cincinnati at Tennessee. Yeah, that's the early game on Saturday. Who do you think is favored and by how many? Well, Tennessee definitely is favored. I'm going to say they're favored. I think if that game was being played on a neutral field, Vegas would favor. Vegas would still favor, favor Tennessee, but by a slim margin. So add three to two. I'm going to say they're a five-point favorite. It's only three and a half. Only three and a half. That's a lot of confidence in Joe Burrow. It is. It's a lot I of mean, confidence in them. And not a lot of confidence in Tennessee. Yeah. And, and all that momentum. Wow. You know, okay, that's an interesting number. Um, okay, the next one. So then the Saturday night game. That's the uh, Niners at, at Packers at, in Lambeau. I mean, I have to believe Green Bay 
the schedule is so beneficial to them. Plus, you've got the extra, you've got um, the injuries Mm -hmm. to San Francisco. Plus, they've just been the better team. Now, San Francisco has had Green Bay's number and Rodgers' number in, in recent years. But I have to believe Green Bay is a... Six-point favorite? Green Bay is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Five-and-a-half. Okay. All right. That's good. Then we go to the early game Sunday. Has not been established yet. Mm-hmm. It's either the Rams or the Cardinals at Tampa, right? That's so right. I assume there's no line on anything there, right? We have nothing. Okay. But by the way, whatever, whatever it's worth tonight, the Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Cardinals in that I'm, game. So I'm going to do my KOD pick on that one in a minute. Awesome. But then you got the late game Sunday is Buffalo at Kansas City. And this is the, this is the one I am most interested to see if you'll make. Yeah, because Buffalo smashed Kansas City yeah. in that building. Uh-huh. They were built to beat Kansas City. Um, I, I can't believe the Chiefs aren't favored at home, but I have a feeling it is really slim, like maybe even less than three points. Like, I'm going to say the Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Chiefs are a two-point favorite. Yeah. That's it. Good call. Good I, I call. like Buffalo in that game. I, there's no, Buffalo's a better team. Like, the, the, don't tell me the Chiefs look like Kansas City again last night. That's Pittsburgh. That, that's not a playoff team. Like, if you don't listen, we need you to listen to the whole show. You've got to set aside two hours for us because I make these incredibly important and interesting and provocative points, and I can't have to go back and remake them all the time. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, I'm sorry. They did not belong in the playoffs. There was a time, and that time was two years ago, when there were only six teams <laughs> that got in. And they added a seventh. Who were the seventh teams last year? Can you remind me? Yes, it was the, the Bears played the Saints. The Bears had no business being in the playoffs. The Bears were the definition of an average to slightly below average NFL team last year. Had no business being in the playoffs. They were 8-8 eight and eight last year. Right. And it was the Bills and the Chargers. Excuse me, the Bills and the Colts. That game in Buffalo it was a twenty-seven to twenty-four game. That the was Colts the, were the seventeen. Yes, that was the one competitive game amongst those, four. and they were pretty good. So, so, yeah, so that out of the four seven seeds, mm-hmm. they're the only one that resembled a playoff yeah, they team. Were, they were eleven and five. So they're I good. like Buffalo in that game, but we have to pick tonight's game. That's the most important piece. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. So the Rams are a three and a half point favorite again. That game we've got the the, the mega cast. You got Peyton and Eli. You got it's on ABC and ESPN. We're going. We are we are throwing the kitchen sink at this Monday Night Wild Card game, as you would expect. So it should be a great night in every conceivable way. You told me the Rams are a three and a half point favorite. The Rams are a three and a half point favorite. FPI says the Rams by less, though. They, they say the Rams by two and a half. So Vegas likes them a little bit more than our analytics do. And and is there the money? Is it all on the Rams right now? The public is dead set like right in the middle on this game, almost exactly fifty fifty. I think I will take the Rams and give the points, but I have no feel for it because the Rams are, are so disappointing. I'll just say the Rams are home. Not that that means anything <laughs> <laughs> with their home field, the lack of advantage. I'll take the Rams and I'll give the two and a half points, but I do so with absolutely no confidence whatsoever. This was a great day. Bubba, have a drink. You yeah, deserve a great it. day. And we will see you tomorrow back and better than ever here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.